0: Welcome to Herbal Explorations, a podcast hosted by Wilson Lau of New Herbs. Each week,
1: we speak to leading experts about what's happening in the herbal industry. Hi, I'm really happy to have my friend Sam Joshi with me. Um, he's formerly with um, OmniActive. He has a great diverse global background and in-depth knowledge of the natural products industry and how it works seed to product. He's currently working as an independent consultant to help companies succeed and grow in a variety of areas. You want to tell us a little bit about what you've been up to, Sam?
0: Yeah, for sure. Wilson, uh, good to see you. Thanks for uh, having me on, I guess, uh, the inaugural podcast. Um, yeah, I'm working as an independent business consulting, helping global companies kind of establish themselves through corporate creation and uh, connecting businesses and companies together and you know the basis of business development, um, really helping international companies, mostly out of India and China and Japan, kind of establish in the U.S. Um, which helps me kind of focus on another passion, which is SSCI um, certification program, which I'm also consulting with. Um, you know, it, it was really founded to help with transparency, traceability, and most importantly, the quality, so that you know all of our customers in the natural products industry have a uh, have a really solid belief and, and, and respect for this industry. Um, you know, cause the industry is huge, right? Wilson, you know, it as well as I do, it's kind of like it goes from the supply chain from the seed all the way to the shelf. And, you know, um, we're all kind of brothers in this world. So it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of fun. So that's what I'm doing now.
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I just remembered our, uh, first meeting, you know, definitely, you know, we vibed right away and, uh, we're just talking about how many people are in the supply chain even from just the grower to the exporter or the importer, right? And we're just talking about how to get the information into SSCI on the raw material side of things. And yeah. God, you know, we, what do we identify? I think like just in the beginning part of it was seven, eight things. And I think in yeah. a macro view over the whole supply chain, we identified at least 14, 15 links in a couple of oh, yeah. minutes. I think what we said was like there's government regulators, the seed providers, the growers. What else do we have?
0: We had aggregators who bring all the materials together, which goes to the processors who either make the extracts or the powders and stuff, um, which sends to a trader. Right. And I think that's kind of where it kicks off. Where does it go next?
1: And I think, you know, then once it gets to the part, it's packaged and ready to go. We got logistics. Then we got the other country, the importing countries, uh, regulatory requirements. Then you got the importers, manufacturers, and then it's your favorite people.
0: <laughs> the manufacturers, right. The contract manufacturers who really have a lot of burden on their shoulders, you know, because the brands are expecting a lot out of them, you know, the marketers. And then there's distribution and networks as well, um, you know, and they supply over too. You deal with them all the time.
1: Yeah. And then we finally got the retailers, consumers, and there's so many more people we can go like on for hours about, you know, we've gotten to the nitty gritty, everything from education to R&D to sustainability. But uh, let's let's talk about, um, since we gave everyone an overview of the er- global herbal supply chain, let's talk a little bit about what are some trends or things you're seeing that make just in time ingredient sourcing harder to secure these days? Um, what are you seeing out there?
0: You know, it's it goes beyond, and we're all seeing on the front lines right now, it's transport, right? Whether you're trying to get materials from um, China and Vietnam or India, um, and you're trying to get them into Europe or the United States or Canada, it's really hard, right? There's a, there's a shortage of vessels, there's a shortage of containers. Um, you know, rates we've seen go insanely high. You know, I saw a container quote the other day for $32,000 for a container. And you know, uh, that was coming in from China. Yeah. (laughs) Easily seeing him in the 20 thousands early Uh high, low twenties is nothing right now. Um, you know, it's the cost of the crops, right? Um, you have people who are hoarding certain products, which are increasing the cost of those crops before they even get to the processing, um, the cost of the regulations, um, there's more and more bars to to get over, right? Um, The cost of the labor, you have labor shortages, right? Um, In different parts, you have weather conditions, which are either wiping out
1: crops or making it hard to kind of um, grow things. Yeah, I think, you know, the growing thing is, and labor is definitely an issue throughout the world. I haven't heard a place that we touch, whether it's Europe or China or the U S or labor isn't a main issue. It's really shocking um, that it seems to be a global issue and no longer a localized issue because of COVID.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And, you know, I don't see that changing for a while, to be honest. Um, you know, just like the transport thing. I don't see that changing for a while. I think labor and, you know, all these seasonal weather changes are all there. Um, they're going to be, they're going to be with us. So
1: And I think, you know, the one thing that we talked about is also is, you know, just in time also makes it really hard because now because of the increased regulatory bar or burden and the testing that we have, you know, implemented, you know, throughout the industry in the last five to seven years, you know, what are you seeing? You know, how is that impacting, um, you know, this just in time model of, you know, you have to actually Go clear the, and qualify the material. And that, you know, labs are behind too, right?
0: <laughs> labs are behind. Everybody's behind, right? Even, even, um, authorizations to bring it to countries, right? Um, they're all behind. You know, you have regulatory groups like the FDA and EFSA, EFSA they're all, you know, they're all, they're, they're behind, right? So it's kind of, it slows down the entire process. Um, and yeah, they use external labs, but in some cases they, they have to sign off on the stuff. So it just puts everybody in in a position to say, okay, you know, how do we get around this? What do we do? Um, it is hard. It's, it's a definite hard thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. <I> think so. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead.
1: No, I, I think, you know, you're absolutely correct. It's, it's days, extra days and unplanned days that these delays lead to, which means that you miss your manufacturing window and other things need to jump on the line. I have heard even some contract manufacturers say, first come, first serve, whoever can get everything to us or we have the we have everything so we can start the engines cranking and uh production, that yeah. they'll do that first is, you know, because everyone is they can't coordinate everything to get there on a timely fashion. And so that's sort of puts a burden on manufacturing, whether it's contract or in house.
0: Yeah. No, you're right. The kidding aspect, right? It's kind of there's gaps. And, and a lot of people, you're absolutely right. They're saying that I've heard that they're like missing two things out of a whole kit. Right. And it's like they can't proceed. And, and I get it. Right. We all get it. You're not going to go change your formulations because they're, they're missing things. So, you know, unfortunately, you start scurrying and try to fill those gaps any which way you can.
1: I saw a, comp- a major brand switch from white caps to orange caps because of a lid issue. So it's is beyond ingredients. Uh, what do you think companies can do to minimize out of stocks and production delays now that we're on this?
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it's all about planning, right? It's, it's pre-planning your demands. Um, use the data and analytics that you have. You know, I'm, I'm a big advocate of that. I think, you know, it does cost money to put those systems in place but it's an investment well worthy of spending the money and time and effort right now. Um, Use that data, use that analysis, try to figure out how you can, you know, project and predict what you're going to need, have those dashboards available to you. Um, You know, I I know you, you, you know, the data too, right. It's kind of, how can we use this to help us? Right.
1: I I think data is really important. Right. And, and, you know, it's what to me is, you know, having the data is the basic part of it is what you do with the data and how you plan around that data to accommodate, you know, real world situation and actualities. Right. I think that's the, you know, the, the science behind it is the data analytics. The, the art behind it is the is how do we take that and map it into an imperfect world?
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. And there are, there are a ton of smart people out there who can help do that as best we can. Um, and then, yeah, of course it's up to you, right? As the, as the person to utilize what comes at you and say, Hey, you're the expert at the end of the day, right? You need some figure to say, okay, yeah, that makes logical sense, right? I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to pre-order a three quarters worth of material because you know what? I see the prices are going up. I see transports going up. Capital is pretty cheap. You know what? I think I'll go ahead and do that. Right. It's, it's using your sense and your judgment at that time. You know, it, it's funny, right? It, it goes the kind of, in order to make this whole world keep moving and from the retail floor and the e-tail keyboards, right? We need mm-hmm. to, we need to, these natural products need to grow. And in order to do that, you know, we talked about all the things earlier, kind of your labors and your cost of materials going up and, and, and the uh, weather issues and things like that. You know, the more information we can provide to them, the more advanced orders we can place on them and so on and so forth. It's going to help us all out, I think.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, like you said, you need a seasoned operator to sort of help you, you know, translate that analytics and data such as yourself um, to really be able to come up with a real world plan. And I think the things that I've been telling clients, like you mentioned earlier, is like really at New Herbs, what we want people to do is start planning ahead and saying, look, um, we have a warehouse um we rather have the goods in our warehouse and store it here. And you can draw, okay. give us a blanket order and you can draw down uh, upon it as you need. You know, if you need a week earlier, not a big deal. You need a week later, not a big deal, right? Yeah. But now we at least know the material is qualified and ready to go. And uh, you can sort of reduce the number of uncertainties, right? Yeah. Obviously, you know, life is uh, full of surprises. And uh, I don't know if you woke up this morning reading the news. I just saw they had an explosion at the port of Dubai last night. I did. Um, I did. so if you if you're doing that middle east lane uh, it, it could cause a little ripple effect. but um I think really it's like how do you plan um, and although you know it will impact your cash flow analysis, yeah. um, you know, it's an investment. like you said, capital is cheap right now versus all yeah. the other things, right? Uncertainty is really expensive, especially if you get hit with uh, out of stock fees and shelving and all that stuff when you get to the retail level.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's risk mitigation, right? And that's that's one of the things we all learn, especially with natural products. Um, You know, have those secondary suppliers up and running, um, you know, and, and for you and your point of, hey, let us store it for you. That right there is your first second third supplier you're you're, you're helping people right um, so that's a great move um, safety stocks even in-house not a bad option to your point of capitals cheap yeah you know it's a it's a good investment
1: yeah and I think you know the you know some some facilities weren't built um to have too much safety extra stock because they're they want to just get material in and out especially as a manufacturer but you know as an importer and, and, you know, warehousing is part of our core business because we're not just trading things through, Sam. So I think uh, that's that's one of the things that I really like um, to tell our clients is like, hey, we, we got your first, we like you said, we're your first option, second option, third line of options. So we can really just backstop you and really work with you. Especially, I think a lot of people forget if you're not from the industry originally that our products are natural products and that, There's seasonality to it and there's no way to sort of say, hey, I can guarantee, you know, perfect transition from one year's crop to another crop. You definitely need that overlay from previous year's crops to sort of carry you over to when the new crop is processed, shipped, imported, cleared and all these things. And although harvest is maybe in, for example, October, November, you may not see the new stuff until you know, well into the middle of next, of the following year. So depending on what, um, how you're taking it. So I think, you know, timing is, you know, really crucial to this. Um, talking about this, um, are there any black swans or surprise things that you think people are sort of overlooking the herbal supply chain that's on your radar? Any tidbits for people our listeners on, you know, what to sort of chew on, um, in addition to all the problems we have?
0: (laughs) Yeah. You know, um, that was a great question. And, you know, there are so many that we see, you know, the whole COVID-19 that affected the world. And we've talked about climate already, um, the hoarding of certain materials and, you know, the cost of freight, you know, there, there's import alerts which are coming up for products, right? And it's making sure your vendors and your products aren't on those. And, you know, being careful with that. I think those are really important things to start looking into it and just keep an eye on Um the big city escape, right? Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's all about kids are trying, kids are leaving the farms, right? These generations that are growing for us today are, are a lot of the older generation, especially in countries like India. Um, you have older generation who are running the farms, who are growing those crops, who have that knowledge. It's not being passed along to the next generation because those, those younger generations have escaped to the cities. Um, so it's all about learning new ways of doing things. And, you know, one of the, You've seen an IF too, is hydroponics, right? A lot of people are growing in different ways in cities, um, you know, suburban growing. And, you know, I think we need to start looking at these things because um, I, I see a potential risk of, you know, those other farmers. Eventually, that, that generation will go on. You know, I, I don't know what you think, but I think that's a big one that we need to keep an eye on.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, the Asian workforce is, is what we're really looking at in in, in India and China, right, in yeah. the farmlands and even the U.S. And, you know, the, the hard part about these countries, whether it's China, India, Africa or Latin America, a lot of them are small scale farms. So yeah. it's not uh, automation is not very efficient because we don't have large plots of land, right? You know, maybe like one farmer in the U.S. Is, uh, has enough land in the Midwest to cover, you know, hundreds of farmers in these areas that we're talking about. And with this flight um, or location from rural to cities, I think, you know, this demographic change is also sort of hollowing out um, the labor force there. So you see a lot of policies, I don't know about in India, but in China to sort of try to incentivize people to stay put. Um, but I think there would be a lot of changes because even as even if people stay put, the pieces of land are probably too small to make an efficient operation. So you get a lot of co-op situations and whatnot um, in there. But I think your point, going back to your point about the import alerts, I think you know the import alerts are huge, right? Make sure your products aren't on it and the vendors aren't on it. And also, I think the other thing is that, you know, I don't know if it's on your radar. It was really interesting, and I want to keep an eye on it, that the FDA recently used an import alert to address an NDI situation um, and saying, like, you know, other producers of, quote, unquote, the same ingredient can't bring that ingredient in because they don't have the proper paperwork and didn't go through the proper channels. So I think, you know, those import alerts may come to a lot higher level of importance. And I also think as the FDA is back in inspection mode, one thing, Sam, I'm seeing is now where the rubber meets the road on FSMA, on the Food Safety Modernization Act and the Foreign Supply Verification Program. I think a lot of people that were importing ingredients for themselves in a small manner, I don't want to say small, I should say, you know, I don't want to make it seem like it's it's um derogatory, but yeah. you know, that there is so much paperwork and compliance that comes along with this. I think that's another part of the industry sort of people aren't really aware of. It's like are is your supplier, is your channels of getting these ingredients ready to meet these regulatory hurdles and compliances?
0: Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I think you know during this whole we'll call it year and a half. Right. There's been a lot of just everything's kind of been not there. Right. It's been missing out of our lives. Um, The regulation's been there, but nobody's come to check on you. And, you know, audits have been unfortunately being done virtually and stuff. And I think a lot of things have kind of, some people have gone lax. I I would agree with that statement. Right. Um, Yeah. I agree with you. I think it's going to, it's going to hit. Right. Sooner or later, it's going to all come back. Um.
1: (laughs) It all does. Well, Thank you for your time, and hopefully you have a wonderful weekend. And thank you for being the first guest on the show and uh, helping get this launched. Appreciate it, Sam. Thank
0: you, Wilson. Thanks. It was good, and uh, enjoy the weekend. Yeah.
1: Thanks for listening.
0: To learn more about the business of herbs and botanicals, visit newherbs.com. To keep listening to great episodes, be sure to subscribe to this podcast in iTunes, Google Play, Amazon, or Spotify. And make sure to give us a rating, too.